Josie and Johnny are having a baby. With you. My name is Johnny Donahoe. Hello, my name is Josie Long. I am a British comedian based in London, England. And I also am those things. Yeah. And here's the fun bit. We're <laughs> also together. As a couple and expecting a baby. A baby. Our baby. Our first baby. We have mixed our genes um, and we're, we're going to find out what it's like. Um, I'm very excited, um, but uh, we should acknowledge that it was perhaps it, it, it wasn't to schedule. Um, it will be loved, don't worry. Um, but we 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 weren't um, expecting to have a child quite so soon. I mean, we're not even married yet. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting married um, unless you want to. Do you? Okay, <laughs> it's not important. Um, you can. You, there's, there's no reason why you have to live a what traditional life. What I would say life. is, don't trust the apps. Sure. If you are going to use. Um, an app as your primary method of contraception don't just don't but if you're guinea pay for the premium version get the ad free version it's yeah. probably got more information or just use regular um, more regular more well known uh, more tested um, types of contraception <laughs> Josie and Johnny Today we're speaking to Adam Buxton, who is an absolute hero of the British comedy scene, one of the funniest people uh, in the entire world, uh, does uh, hilarious, brilliant shows called Bug, does a wonderful podcast, uh, made the Adam and Joe show in the late 90s and the 2000s, which is an iconic uh, television show and is a busy, working father of three. Three kids. Yeah, and his children are... On the adolescent end now. Yeah, they're sort of, I think if they're not all teenagers... They're out of primary school, pretty yeah. much. So um, he's quite a good one for um, talking in more sort of general terms uh, rather than more immediate terms for us because we're not going to have an adolescent straight away. Hopefully. Oh, that would be a terrible start. That would be full on. Yeah. This is your daughter. She's 31. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. And then she says, where's the money for my deposit? Oh, God. Right. Um... Um, Adam is is somebody I have always massively admired, and he um, also is somebody who made a lot of work with his dad. Um, his dad, uh, who he was called Bad Dad, um, in the Adam and Joe show, he used to get on and get him to try things because um, his dad was uh, quite old fashioned, yeah. quite establishment, <laughs> sort of quite sort of. Um, very, very old-fashioned Englishman. Yeah, and and was actually quite up for trying things and and being quite irreverent about them. Yes, but maintained a kind of character of of um, disapproval at yes. all times. Yes, absolutely. The research that I've done in a broader sense about parenting styles is the other day I freaked out and I bought two books that are called like the Danish way to play. And what's the other one? Denmark, the happy place. They're like. Did you buy both books from? About, no, they're both? not from Denmark. They're about people who kind of are stands for Denmark, who are like, if we all were more like Denmark, everyone would be happier. Hasn't Denmark just recently? Uh, they've had a bit of a turn to the right, but okay. let's not talk about that. In principle, they <laughs> they used to not. And um, uh, yeah, those are my parenting books. I've basically freaked out and bought 
two books about playing the Danish way. One of my um, favourite people in the world um, is a Danish comedian, Sophie Hagen. Yeah. And I was on her podcast recently, Made of Human, um, where we both talked about our absent fathers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's. I mean, that's obviously. You know. The, the, I mean, I, I, that's not the Danish way. That doesn't sound like the Danish. My my experience is very different from this this picture of, of Danish parenting. Well, don't worry. I haven't read them. Okay. But <laughs> I, I, I think it is something like there are things that my parents did that I almost is essential to yeah. bring up kids. Like I'm like. Well, I remember how affectionate my mum was with me. Yeah. And I see that as a cornerstone. And I remember my mum and my dad sort of wanting to, wanting for me and my sister to sometimes like go to the ballet, go to the opera, get an understanding of classical music, get an understanding of art and history and really like educate us in a very like Jane Austen broadening way. And I do think of those things as like, oh, well, I have to manage my child's cultural and intellectual development in this way. But then there are other things that my parents did that I definitely do not think I would like to replicate. Sure. And I, you know, I suppose that's a big question, isn't it? It's like, how do you work, how do you navigate that? How do you work out what the right thing is to do? Are people ever that sure of themselves by the time they have kids that they're like, no, no, my internal moral compass will work this all out? And how much of it is circumstantial? I mean, my mum raised me on her own, and that was definitely not a plan, um, but it worked out okay. Um, There are lots of things I'd like to do similar to how she did it, but she did it, she did that because of those circumstances. So that's quite a tricky one to replicate. But also, I wonder what she had planned. Maybe I should talk to her. Should we get her on? No. It would be a really weird, it would be a very long-winded. We're both, we're neither of us naturally good at linear conversations. So together it would just be, you know, my mum can talk to you about... It'd be a non-sequitur first. Oh, you know, because she'd, we'd be in the middle of discussing this and then she'd suddenly remember something that her friend Ron had said and then we'd need to feed the cat and it would... We'd have to get him on. Yeah, oh, he's great. <laughs> Um, Okay, that's enough talking uh, about Adam Buxton. Let's actually talk to him. Here is our conversation with the wonderful and brilliant Adam Buxton. Uh, I watched a thing with Jerry Seinfeld where he said, um, people are so vain, they consistently bring up their children the way they were brought up. So you spend your life living in the suburbs, hating it, move to the city to make work, and then move back to the suburbs to have children because you want them to have the same experience as you. Uh-huh. You've done the opposite. Although I did have a long period when we were in the country. My dad, I think, was the same in lots of ways, and he had the same experience that I had of getting fed up with life in London and mm. thinking, what's the point of us being here? We never do anything anyway. He was away a lot of the time. And so he thought, okay, we're going to go to the country. I love the countryside. I'm going to go for <laughs> long walks in the country and my children grow up like country. So we moved out to South Wales. But oh, then wow. he continued to be away for long periods of times uh, as he was a, a travel writer. Yeah. So in the end, my mum ended up just being isolated in this farmhouse, and it would snow, she'd get snowed in, and she would just go mad, I would think. So it couldn't have been too much fun for her anyway. Um, I thought, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, that's what you're doing. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. My wife is from Norfolk, and so uh, that's where she grew up. Her parents still live very close to where we live. So it's quite nice to have that support network there, and they know lots of people locally, and it's been really 
great, actually. Did you have a dog before... No. You got the dog for Norfolk? Yeah, that is one way in which I have managed to be different to my dad, who was a lifelong dog intolerator. I wouldn't say <laughs> hater, but he was very intolerant. I need to sort of put uh, some context behind this, which is yeah. that Johnny loves dogs more than anyone I've ever met in my life. Right. And if we're walking down the street having quite an intense or serious conversation and then a dog will come past, he'll go, oh, look, my friend, my little friend. <laughs> uh, okay. It doesn't matter how intense or important I'm the conversation is. That makes me sound slightly sociopathic. I mean, I am Not capable of... overly empathetic with dogs. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I just worry there are people who... You know, there are people on Twitter, certainly, who I often read... Uh, they seem to have no empathy for humans, but are very, very mad on animal rights. And they scare me a lot. And I don't want people to think that I am in any way like that. But I also like say, people. But you did say to me at one point during the pregnancy, like, oh, it'd be really good if it was a dog. You can dress it up as a dog. <laughs> that's, oh, see, we're very ill-prepared, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. But in terms of things we've got for the baby, I have an outfit to make it look like a bear. Yeah. And an outfit to make it look like a dinosaur. And an outfit that matches... Both seasons. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and an outfit that um, matches Johnny's got on stage a couple of years ago during his show. He had to wear these like Lurex gold hot pants. Ooh. So I bought the baby a Lurex gold swimsuit because I was like, they can twin. We can, we can go together to parties. Very good. That's going to be a good look with your mini-me. That's right. Yeah. God rest him. Did you find that when you moved to the countryside, your children went from town mouse to country mouse children? Uh, they, I mean, they were already, it's not like they were going out raving or anything, because <laughs> they were too young, so it didn't make much of a difference. But well, yeah, I was saying that the, 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 the one way that I managed to be different from my dad was that I fell in love with a dog. Yeah. And at first I didn't. It was difficult, uh, because we never had dogs growing up, so I wasn't used to it, and, and I ended up inheriting that prejudice from my dad about finding dogs quite irritating. And I still find other people's dogs a little bit irritating, like other people's children. Sure. But um, our dog, I have very much grown to love in a... She is a very... I've seen photos and videos of Rosie. Yeah. Of course he has. Of course and he has. Because I'm, I have an interest in dogs. Sure. Um, and she is very beautiful. She's a Whippet Poodle cross, for mm. those who uh, aren't familiar with my podcast or Rosie. And um, she's just... I mean, yeah, I've had many lovely evenings just staring into her eyes and staring back. And why did you? So, inher- how did you end up with a dog having look, not, not being? A- what well, do a I, quick this bit is, on dogs? To, this, we are having a baby, into- <laughs> and we are unprepared. And what you've managed to do is carve out a lovely chunk where you get to go. Let's talk about. Let's dogs. talk about dogs. Uh, I will say briefly that my son Natty mm. um, was. Uh, I don't know. He was, he was, uh, he, we were keen to encourage his nurturing instincts Mm. and, you know, get him to take care of another living creature and, uh, and love it and all those kinds of things. And also he said he really, really, really wanted a dog. And so I said, no, this is a bad idea. We've got enough problems as it is. There's rats in the ceiling. There's all sorts of, you know, we've got bills to pay. There's in the floor. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's like, no, I promise you, you will never have to do anything with the dog ever. I will take care of it 100%. I will walk it. I will feed it. I will clean up all the turds. And so I was completely right. I ended up having to walk it uh, all the time, which I ended up loving. It's all worked out beautifully. But there was a difficult first year. 
And actually, it ties into the baby thing mm. in a way because I think, from my perspective as a father, I'm much less dewy-eyed about the early years of having children when they're little than my wife is. Whenever my wife sees a baby, she gets,、uh, you know, she she just coos, and she I can see that she misses those days, and she sort of part of her wishes that she could have another one. I don't、mm. at all. I don't miss those days. They to me they were annoying. And frightening, and lonely, and anxious-making. I was cut off from my friends. I was having to make a transition from being a baby man to a more grown-up man,、mm. uh, which I did not succeed in <laughs> making. But did you find the second time was it? Did you find it got easier? Yeah, child on like after each chat. Definitely, yes.、And、by the third one, you're like, I'll put that. Baby in my bag. I'll go and meet Steve. <laughs> More or less. I mean, we were lucky in a way because our third child was a girl, and I don't know how true this is, but they say that girls are easier than than boys when they're little. So you have three. You have、um, yes. two boys and a girl. I do. Yeah, the first two were boys. The first one,、um, he was delivered by C-section. Uh, it was quite a dramatic birth. So, Johnny, if Josie had to have an emergency, because you you're not having an elective C-section, are you? Or no, are you? no. My wife had to have one because the, my son's cord got tied around、oh, his、no. uh, neck. I forget what that's called. And so, at the last minute,、uh, they had to kind of whip him out. This was after about two days of labour. She got really unlucky. So, when they finally went in and, and、uh, chopped him out. I got to watch, and I like horror films, and、oh, I like、man. I like the thing. You know, it was one of my favorite <laughs> films. And there's a scene in the thing where where have you you've seen have you seen John Carpenter's yeah, version yeah. of the thing?、Sure. You know the bit where they where they're using the paddles on the、yeah. guy, and suddenly his whole stomach opens up like big jaws, and his the, the paddles plunge through this guy's chest. And that's what I was thinking of when I was watching them opening up my wife. She couldn't see anything because she's got the screen. Yeah, the curtain in front of her face. I, she did. I did sort of raise my eyebrows and say, "It's pretty cool," and she sort of said,、uh, "Just don't talk to me." But it was it was amazing because it was like a, a scene from a movie, and they lifted this guy out. Once you've had a C-section, do you are you kind of are you obligated to that? Then it's hard. To, no, no, no. no. Actually,、oh, we're told that in the first antenatal class at the NHS. So I'm very depressed that you didn't remember. Well, that it, we've had a lot of. I've been to about 15 hours of antenatal classes so、yeah. far. I've got about another 10 hours to go. Oh mate, having gone to one, it's three hours long, and I arrived on my own. Three hours. Three hours. Three solid hours of chat. Whoa. I mean that's, and I arrived that's like on a my Joe、own. Rogan podcast. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> much less offensive. <laughs>、um, I arrived and I I walked in and I was on my own. So I said, "Oh, Josie's left me, but I've already paid for the class, so I thought I'd."、Um, Still come, and nobody found that funny. They just were sort of very like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's okay." Well, it's one of those areas where people have to tiptoe because everyone's trying to be respectful of everyone else's feelings and the way that you know because it is no one wants to be judged or judgmental when it comes to having a baby. There's so many different <laughs> ways people do it, so many different opinions about the right way and the wrong way, and all this kind of stuff. So it's not a good place for. Edgy humour. We'll be back in a second with our special guest Adam Buxton after this short break. Josie and Johnny are having a baby. 
Okay, friends, we're back. Welcome back. Have you found that what like that that's kept up? You know, as your kids have been growing up, like, have you found that it is still really like people that you're close to do things that are so wildly different from what you would do, or or like yeah. friends of your kids are so really different to your kids or anything like that? Yes and no. I think everyone develops their own styles and you realise fairly quickly that there's not that much to be gained from weighing in on other people's parenting techniques. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, imagine being like, <laughs> I know you're doing that. It does happen. <gasps> people do say sometimes, and there are, there are people who are qu- quite proactive, like if your child is misbehaving or something, then they will step in and, and they'll deal with it themselves. <laughs> um, and actually... It's okay, usually. It depends on who's doing it, you know what I mean? Like, if it's a close friend, I, sometimes I quite appreciate it. Mm. Uh, but um, if it's not a close friend, you do think, like, that's, that's, I mean, that's not your job. And also, have you looked at your children recently? You know, have you, Do you know anyone who's got a very sort of oblivious to their own faults setup mm. where their child is a hellraiser, but they're like, you guys need to do what I'm doing? Um, not name names a little bit, a little bit. I mean, nobody's perfect, are they? That's the thing is, other people's children, uh, you know, are a bit of a pain in the neck because mm. children are kind of a pain in the neck. And the great thing about being a parent is that you are just programmed genetically to not care that they're a pain in the neck. I mean, a lot of the time you do, and it's really annoying. Well, you don't but, like other people's dogs. No, I mean, exactly. And dogs are a lot more easygoing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what do you do if you're... This is one of the questions we were thinking of, which is like, what do you do if your child's best friend in the whole world, probably for life, yeah. is a mm. jerk? Well, how big a jerk are we talking? So, like, say... Bit of a loud mouth. Not very nice, and you... Whatever... You know, all right, this is the scenario. Yeah. One of your sons, 11 years old, just started secondary school. Yeah. Best friend comes back with him. They're thrilled. That You can tell when you see your son that he's, like, having his best first friendship, and you just don't like them. Straight off the bat, you're like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. This person, I'm never going to be... I've an aversion to them. What do you do? I think, well, I have I have had that. And not massively, but just was sort of chatting a little bit with one of one of my children's friends. And they said something that I, uh, we were talking about their future, what they were, were going to do. And they said something that I just thought was bizarrely uh, cold and sort of acquisitive and unadventurous and it was all, I was judging it very much from my own <laughs> value system. You know what I mean? But I did think like, wow, that's a shame that my one of my children is hanging out with someone who thinks that that's a good idea for what they want to do when they grow up. I don't want to be too much more specific than that. Okay. But, you know, it wasn't, it was nothing terrible at all. Accountant. I mean, you know, something, no, there's nothing wrong with being an accountant. It was the way they were talking about how they were going to go about. Make loads of money. and I don't know, sort of. Anyway, but I, so I had a conversation with my wife about it afterwards. And I said, you know, do you think that was weird that, that, that they were saying that? And, and she said, no, they're 11. You know, <laughs> they, <laughs> don't know what, they don't know what they're going to do. They're just parroting what their parents have said, maybe, or yeah. stuff that they've half understood from other people. And Seen on The Apprentice. They're trying to figure it out. Give them a break. 
And of course, <laughs> of course, you know, and your own children are full of wrong-headed ideas mm. that they've half responded to from you and lots of other things as well. You've just got to relax. And and I find that very hard to do because I, I do I do sort of tend to, to judge people in that way, I suppose. Is it hard sometimes not to judge children in an adult viewpoint? It, I find it really hard. I just assumed immediately that my children were... Uh, really clever, and because you know that you you meet very soon after they start speaking, you have these moments of really what feels like profound connection, mm. and a lot of the time you may well just be imagining those, you know. <laughs> but you do think, oh, of course, you're flesh of my flesh, and and we are connected, and I'm going to treat you the way that I wish I had been treated, or that I would want to be treated. I'm going to speak to you like a, a grown-up person whenever I can, when it's appropriate. And um, uh, you do all these things and, and you feel that they can understand the nuances, emotional nuances of various situations, which of course they can't. <laughs> and you start being, and you start sort of laying down these completely unreasonable boundaries and saying, you know, no, I'm not going to tolerate that because I'm not going to foster a, a kind of laissez-faire attitude that's going <laughs> to blossom into uh, crazy antisocial attitudes when you're older. And it's like, fucking just calm down. They're fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. You I know. have a friend who's a primary school teacher and she does a lot of um, developmental stuff. And she keeps saying to me, everyone evens out by 16. Yeah. <laughs> you start off, especially with the first, I remember, you know, even though you know that they're bullshit, you read articles about hot housing and mm. all these kinds of things, and you think, oh, shit, should we be doing that? <laughs> should be? I, I went out and I invested in an expensive set of DVDs which promised to turn them into a genius by the time they were six months old or something. Whoa. You just stick them in front of... I thought, this is brilliant. You just stick them in front of the TV and they'll just turn into <laughs> genius. I don't have to do anything. Is there an equivalent for what sort of cold housing like hot hot housing <laughs> because i i'm very wary of um having intelligent children yeah i think it's gonna be a lot harder and also <laughs> i have a lot of friends who are very clever and very sad mm. and a lot of the people i know who are you know sort of more kind of iq late 90s rather than high hundreds um, seem much happier day to day. Is there a way we can get them to sort of be more potatoy and dim and just happier? Is that... Luckily, yeah. yes, is the answer. <laughs> loads. There's loads. Have you seen a film called Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> now, there's a whole load of those films and they will set your child off on the right path if that's what you're interested in. There is some sort of fixation that people have of like... To, I, my child has to be clever. Mm. They have to be clever. It's more important than to be advanced and be clever and like not that they're happy and kind or relaxed or, mm. you know. Kindness is so much more important than, than cleverness. You say that, but not if you're on a quiz show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, you wanna, you need to not if you want to get to the top, Johnny. <laughs> <sighs> that's, what, that's what the problem is. Not if you want to play to 17,000 people on a <laughs> giant arena <laughs> stage. Kindness is going to get you so far, but not there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Josie and Johnny, they're having a baby. And we're back. 
Are we back? Yes. Did you have an idea of what sort of dad you would be before you had kids? And have you been like that? Uh, no. Uh, I mean, yes, I did have an idea. And it was embarrassingly cliched. <laughs> And I very much was from the let's be best friends school yep. of parenting because I'm a, a silly man. I've made a career mm. being a silly baby man in, in a lot of ways, playing with my toys and being juvenile. And so you were like, perfect. I'm in the child ma- mindset. Yeah, exactly. But what I hadn't figured on was how much the other half of me is like my dad, who mm. was not a baby man. He was a serious man, a conservative man in every sense of the word someone who fought in World War II and uh, was, a, was a writer and a friend of literary giants. And fundamentally, he loved me, but he disapproved of almost everything that was important to me. You know what I mean? And um, Including your work? Yes. He was embarrassed by it, I think. Okay. And wished, you know, he dearly wished that I had followed the path that he had he wanted me to go to oxford Mm. he wanted me to read history he wanted me to be like a diplomat he wanted me to be like a brilliant even more successful version of him right i think that's what you tend to want Mm. sometimes you're like okay here's like i had i had the right ideas but i fucked up here 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 and here Mm. so i'm gonna fix that with my child (laughs) you go through and get those right yeah do you think that that you as a parent, you've kind of reacted against that? You're more like, let's you, find out who you are. You do and you don't. You The thing you do is you understand why your parents were the way they were. And um, you realise that it was hard. You know, you, you find new ways to screw up your kids. But do you ever think about that, like... You won't be able to tell till they're 30, 40. Yeah, that's the thing. That's You it, get results very slow. Yeah. You think that you get results fast. You think like, no, I'm going to lay down some boundaries. <laughs> I'm not going to tolerate that. But there's no way of telling if you have or not. And the thing you, the, the one bit of wisdom that I know is real is that everything goes in phases of a few months. If you think like one month, suddenly they start punching you in the face and spitting or something. You know what I mean? And are you like, oh, no, this You're is like, them forever. Oh, my God, this is, yeah. But it's the punching in the face, spitting phase of yeah. every child has to Generally. do. Generally. Yeah, I'm not saying, I don't guarantee that that's not going to be them forever. It might be Johnny Lydon that you've given yeah. birth to. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in a place called Reading, which is about uh, an hour outside of uh, London. The and most it, beautiful city in the whole of My mum lives there. Really? Just outside. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, to put it in context, um, there is a statue of Queen Victoria in uh, every uh, major town in the UK, mm-hmm. um, and it's the only one where she faces away okay. from this. <laughs> Such was her disdain for this place. And it's not got much better. Um, uh, no, that's not fair. You should never do down the place you're from because you, you make it what it's, it's a chittle. But the point is, <laughs> um, I'm in the shopping mall with my mum, and... What I remember is I was, I realised now, I was going through this phase of uh, uh, everything she said, wanting more information. So she'd say, well, let's go and do this. And I'd go, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I kept doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this. And I just remember her getting off the escalator, leaning over the side with her head in her hands and thinking, oh, how, I'm annoying. Um, I'm so How annoying. old are you? Seven. Wow. And then and then and then I was like, Am I being really annoying? And she said, No, this is what you need to do. 
And then we went and had lunch or oh, something. This is what but you there need was, to do. This is what you need to do. But my mum was on her own. She was a single mum. So often there would be moments like that in my upbringing that were very much kind of, uh, if she'd had someone else in her life, she might have, she might have taken that moment with with her partner. Go and ask dad. Go and ask dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember that moment thinking, am I really annoying? And I'm going, no. How? That's, this is I would phase. say that that's unusual for a child to be so empathetic, Johnny. You're amazing. Well, I, I, thank you. And I am amazing. Um, I think my mum and I had a very interesting relationship in that um, we had a relationship that was probably more symbiotic than it would have been had my mum had more uh, support. support. Yes. Um, and... I think that makes you very empathetic. You sort of feel, and and I don't. That is no no judgment on her because that sort of she had absolutely no choice in that matter. Mm. It's entirely the fault of my dad, um, who wasn't there. So I, I just remember a feeling of hearing. Of uh, I remember at that moment feeling like, oh, you go through. I'm going through a phase. Yeah. And I think as a child, I spent a lot of my childhood trying to rebel against the phase I felt I should be going through. Like, I remember not rebelling as a teenager because my sister had. My sister rebelled so much and so badly. Mm-hmm. My sister's intention was always to get caught. Um, and I just watched that and thought, Could you, what are you this is stupid. Classic cry for help. Yeah, from the sister. <laughs> That's right. Tension seeking. <laughs> no, it is. It's a phase. It's all a phase, generally. And every time you think all is lost, you get a little hand handout, a little glimmer of hope. It's a bit like being married, I suppose, in that people make it out to be all like dancing around and and some sort of wonderful romantic fairy tale. And it really it's isn't. It's not, no. It's really a, a, a series I didn't mean, of... Sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's awful, isn't it? It's, no. <laughs> it's really hard and it's, and it's mainly difficult and it's mainly... It's just a never-ending series of compromises yeah. and adjustments and... Uh, it's life. It's, it's a big... Exactly. It's the, yeah, it's so much better than you being get, alone. But you get rewards, exactly. You get rewards and then you get something sort of deeper you yeah. you bust through little walls every now and again as long as you can keep going i had this feeling the second we got pregnant but part part of it, there's a little bit in my brain was like wait we're not going to have children until 2019 what are we doing this is ridiculous and then i immediately was like oh this is great because 50 year old stand-up comedians without kids do they tend to have a sadness in their eyes when you talk to them. It's a job that allows you to be 25 for life if you want it to be, but your body is not willing to do that. And therefore, wow, that can go wrong. Yeah, And I yeah. sort of, I was so pleased when we uh, got pregnant because of that, because it's sort of like, oh, I'm really up for this unbelievably stupidly difficult thing to happen next. Yeah. But, you, but there are moments when you look back and <laughs> being that 55-year-old comedian talking about his second divorce and how many years he's been sober. Looks sweet. It looks pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you went to Thailand for three days for no reason? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and before you had kids, were you kind of... Because I sort of felt like, do you know what? I know who I am. I know mm. what my values are. Yeah, yeah. I've been living as an adult for a long time now, and I feel like this is probably a good time to give it a go. But, and did you feel like that too? And then once they came, you were like, oh, God, I don't know why a little the bit. clouds are they, the white clouds oh, or the grey totally. clouds. No, I've got no answers for any of those. I'm like, I don't know. But now you can Google it. 
So, oh, so do you get to go, let's look yeah, together? Yeah, I do. I do look things up a lot with my daughter and stuff. She's like, why don't you Google it, Daddy? Okay. Because she knows there's no chance she's going to get a good answer out of me for, for any important question. But so, so we Google things together. That's still nice, fostering joint curiosity. Yeah, she's... I think the, the, one of the weird things about children, if you end up having more than one, you will see that they take different traits mm. from not only the different parents, but also other family members. You can very clearly identify. It's weird. Oh, my God, that's something my brother does. Wow. Oh, wow. And or that's something that my wife's mother says. And uh, or that's the w- expression that she has sometimes when she's being passive aggressive, you know. So let's could, let's roll with that. Uh, what do you, I mean, because my biggest fear is what if you don't like them? Ah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I oh, don't want to say, I mean, that is a difficult <laughs> of thing. Of course you're going to like them. They're your child. You're going to love them. I know, I know. I, I know exactly what you mean. I yeah. Mean, did you have that fear as well? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, again, it's again, it's like being married. It's like any important relationship in your life. You know, you're in love with someone, but sometimes you don't love them. But I chose Josie. I didn't make her. Yeah. And then have to find out whether she was nice. Yeah, yeah. But you'll get beyond it because there, there's a bedrock there. And, yeah. um, and it's yeah, the same with your children. You know, you don't ever... I think it, it... There's all sorts of ways that you arrive at that. And it's not all... I think just expecting it always to be this kind of deep, romantic, spiritual bond. It's not always like that at all. So it's weird. That, that's the other... The whole normal thing is you do desperately want to not stick out in lots of ways you do want you do sort of think oh i hope they're i hope they're normal all this kind of stuff and we all feel that right you don't it's it's scary to stick out and it's scary to be different in in whatever way but actually society is structured such that most of the people we admire or are impressed by they're not normal at all yeah they're weird and they probably had a difficult time because Mm. of it you know apologize when you screw up that's one thing that i've managed to do that's great is is basically make a series of disastrously wrong decisions <laughs> about how to discipline my children sometimes sure and you spend the whole day or i spent the whole day digging in deeper and deeper and thinking i can't u turn now i'm going to look weak and just eventually having to say listen i uh, I'm very sorry that I've been such a prat about the way I've gone about it. The system has been flawed. Yeah. I think that's great because then your relationship is built on that sort of two-way trust rather than uh, a sort of set of rules that, you know, you're not a teacher. Yeah. You're not a, um, um, I mean, you're a, you're the guardian, I suppose. I, th- I, think, not... I think I'm hoping that they will be in that place that you were as a seven-year-old where you have some sense of, what your parents are going through. Yeah. That your parents are not these geniuses who know everything and they're <laughs> going to do the right thing. They are just screwing up left, yeah. right and centre. Or even better, I do think that when by the time you're 11, 12, 13, you know when your parent is not acting honourably or, or sure. hasn't done the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it is much better to be like, look, I made this mistake and I apologise. Because if you don't, I think by that age, the child is or the young person is just like, there's such a hypocrite. Yeah. Oh, there's such an idiot. Oh, I'm so angry at the hypocrisy of this whole 
this whole household is run on yeah. rotten foundations. You yeah. Know? I remember there was a trope in uh, um, sitcoms and things of, of um, little... Like it was in Frasier and other things in the 90s that I remember watching where little kids, especially boys, would have this moment of discovering one of their parents isn't perfect and it being such a big issue because their parents were their heroes. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember thinking that my mum was my hero mm-hmm. um, by any stretch of the imagination because and, and it was therefore less... I don't have any I trauma associated that. with that. My mum was on such a pedestal. Really? Yeah. Was there a moment when your yeah, it illusions was sort of, were shattered? It was gradual. I mean, like, so my teens, I don't even know how to talk about it without causing up... Outwell. Yeah. Uh, Upheaval. Also, I now want to throw in while you decide what to say. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, I didn't see my mum as my hero by any stretch, but I, I loved her. I thought she was wonderful. She was amazing. I just, it wasn't that kind of look up to me or, yeah. you know, it was a much I've more I've got mutual, all the answers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, mum was definitely, and then, no, I think it I think it was just over, over that period between the age of about 12 and 17 being like, Oh, oh! Like seeing her not in the context of like the idealization mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, Adam, can I ask you one last question? Of Is that right? Just to finish that thought, I wanted to know: Did you think that of your dad? I definitely thought my dad had all the answers, and um, I certainly found out that was not the case at all. And um, was that difficult? It was. Yeah, it was a shock. It was a shock. Well, also, given how he would present himself as, like, yeah. his life is about the grown-up world mm, and about, mm. you know, intellectual pursuits and rigour yeah. and stuff like that. Well, it was a, a lesson in all sorts of ways. And now, you know, he lived with us um, in the last few months of his life and we looked after him and I have all his possessions still. And um, there's one room where all the books are his and many of them are these books on sort of conservative philosophy and things like that and i flick through them and and it's like holy shit this is where all that stuff came from Uh, i I found an article that he wrote when he was quite young and it was all about a some political flip-flopping that was going on at the time in the late 40s i don't remember exactly what the incident was but this whole article from him was like can we get rid of these fence sitters these people who are umming and ahhing, what we want is someone to come down hard on one side or the other. I don't care if it's the wrong side so long as they've made up their mind. <laughs> and I, my entire life is defined sure. by something that is almost exactly the opposite of saying, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I want to listen to what people have to say. And I'm wary of people who claim to have all the answers. Um so, so that was a that that's a sort of ongoing crisis that I'm having. But also, I can totally see that within every family, there's something like that which becomes the crux of like the difference in the two of you, like from generation to generation. Like it yeah. feels like that makes so much sense. It's like their whole philosophy was this, so my whole philosophy was that. Like even when I like I think about my grandma, who was like such a harsh disciplinarian, mm-hmm. and my mum with me and my sister was always thinking, I'm not going to be like that with my children. There you go, yeah. And as a result, I don't get up in the mornings, and it's not good enough. <laughs> but there's, you know, it's, it, it's such a, it's quite a big shaping. It is. Seemingly. But I'm not spitting bullets and I'm not writing books about how awful my dad was. Not entirely. Because I know that he loved me. Yeah. 
I, and he, that was never in doubt. And I think that that's definitely the most important thing. Oh, that's nice. I mean, thank you so much for Hey, thanks. Nice to talk oh, to you. Yeah, hey, good really luck with it all. You'll be great. Oh, oh, Honestly, I think you, that child's going to be lucky to have you. Uh, that was lovely talking to Adam Buxton. Uh, really exciting to get to talk to him. You, uh, um, very interesting what he says about how you come to understand your parents through being a parent yourself. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can find me on my Twitter at Long or jclong.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Donahoe or uh, on my website, johnnydonahoe.co.uk. And Adam is at Adam Buxton or adam-buxton.co.uk where you can hear his fantastic podcast. Also, please rate us at Apple Podcasts if you like the show. Uh, the show was produced by Ruth Barnes and Laura Sheeter from Chalk and Blade for Stitcher with special thanks to Stephanie Karayuki and Laura Mayer and we are Josie and Johnny. And if you'd like to hear more, you can sign up for Stitcher Premium to hear every single episode of Josie and Johnny are having a baby with you. Thank you. Ad free and before <laughs> anyone else. And for a free month of listening, you can go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash baby and use the promo code baby. Very simple. So, in could you and could you sign up and listen to them all? You could listen for a month to everything. Wow! For, and that's free. It's a good deal. Yeah, well, that's a bargain. Next week we'll be talking to some other very important people. So make sure that you subscribe to us at Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Goodbye. Goodbye. Stitcher.